Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening. Welcome to Genesee Valley Church's online podcast. GVC is a non-denominational church in Flint, Michigan, and our mission is simple. To love God, love people, and love life. I know that you will be blessed by the message and the words that God has for you today. Now, here's Pastor Tony. you've gotten is head knowledge you haven't got the revelation knowledge of it because when you get the revelation knowledge of it it just goes off on the inside of you how many of you know that you're not going to hell there's a couple of you that might might have the revelation of that now i realize we we take those kind of things for granted in church but i'm telling you what just that statement alone if i if i say or if we stir that thinking up on the inside of us i'm not going to hell because of jesus i mean that would cause you to come unglued. I'm serious. If you really meditated on that thought. You're not going to hell. Jesus paid the price for you. You're not going to be etern- et- eternally separated from God. If you really had a revelation of that. I'm telling you what. You would become Pentecostal real quick. You know what I mean by that. You'd be like. Whoa. Praise the Lord. I mean you just might get a little happy in church. I don't mean that with any disrespect. You know what I'm talking about. I'm just simply saying. The revelation of that would cause you to be animated. Vocal exuberant right because i'm not going to hell amen so i'll give an altar call at the end of this service tonight just so that you've got that basis covered all right so i'm playing so anyways we've been talking about the increase in the provision in the hand of god concerning his desire for us to be above and be over in life and This concept that we're talking about is not just monetarily. It includes that, but it's in every arena of our life. He desires for us to have an abundant life when it comes to our marriage, our family, our work, our life, our health, our finances. Every element of our life, God desires for us to to be over, to have access in our life. And for the sake of just stirring you up for, for many that are have not been with us uh, for the last few weeks. I want to read this to you. The Bible says this over in John's Gospel, John chapter 10. It says, For the thief comes but not to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus said, I've come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. Now, we've said this, that when it comes to this life of more abundant, many times we think that it's this life eternally. But if that were the case, then uh, Satan, he, he got in on the bargain as well. And all those that are serving the, the devil or not serving God, they, they're going to experience eternal life. It's just separated from God. So this life or this abundant life that Jesus came to give is not just eternal life, spending it with heaven or spending it eternally living because everybody, every human being is going to experience it. It just depends on where you are. But when he speaks of it, he says this, that you're going to experience life or that you would have life and life more abundantly. And from the uh, uh, Strong's Concordance, or just the Greek definition of that, more abundantly means this, exceeding measure. Rank or need, meaning more than what is sufficient to meet the need. Over and above, more than necessary, super added, surplus, super abundance, superior in quality, super abundant in quantity. And Dr. Strong's commentary says, by implication, it means excessive. And so God desires for us to live an excessive life. 
Now, again, our religious background, our tradition begins to buck against that and says, well, the Bible says we're not to, to live in excess. No, the Bible does not say that. The Bible says that we're not to live in error. But to live in excess, Jesus said, that's what I've come to provide for you. So in other words, how's your marriage doing? It's excessively blessed and abundant. How's your kids doing? They're excessively abundantly provided for and just living well and successful in their life. How are you doing in your physical body? Abundantly and excessively healthy in my body. That's what Jesus came to give. Now, on that side, we go, woohoo, praise the Lord. And then you say, well, how's your finances doing? I'm living excessively, abundantly well because that's what Jesus came to provide for us, that we would have more than enough, all of our needs met. And once again, from that standpoint, God desires for us to live that way so that we can be a blessing to build the kingdom of God. Once again, the error has gotten that the increase or the abundance is, well, so that I can drive a fancy car or that I can get, have a big house. Well, God doesn't care whether you drive a fancy car or have a big house because he says when you get to heaven, you're going to have a big house. He calls it a mansion and he says, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So he don't have a problem with big houses. He don't care if you have a big house. He just don't want the big house to have you, right? And so again, it's all a matter of the attitude. But God says the reason that I want you to be excessive or live excessively is so that you can be the ones that promote the gospel of the kingdom. How many of you know that the world, the unsaved, the entertainers of this world, our political officials are not going to promote and fund the gospel? That's been proven time and time and time again. It's just a fact. So where is it going to come from? Is it going to come from God? Well, no, God's not going to do it because he's in heaven. We're here. And he says, now you're dealing with the natural realm. Now, if you'll trust me, I'll use you to get involved in those arenas of life but it's going to take the natural means to make it happen right come on how many of you know that we can pray all day long and get all spiritual and fast and shave our head and say praise the lord we just believe god is going to just spread the gospel throughout genesee county listen you just look goofy with a bald head it takes the resources for us to be able to build churches to put curriculum together to put stuff on the tvs the radios or whatever to promote the gospel it takes revenue and god needs us the body of christ to be able to step into that place of excess and say god i've got it you blessed me with it now how do i use it to promote the gospel that's god's heart and that's god's desire amen and so just with that being said, as we began to look at this, for the last few weeks, one of the things that we've been endeavoring to do is this simply share the heart of God with you concerning his desire for you to live excessively. Because we needed to take some weeks to really share what God's word says concerning you, the child of God, and what his heart is for you. So therefore, upon hearing the word of God, you can begin to have faith towards that very promise or the very thing that God said. So we had to build the understanding or the awareness of the character and the heart of God concerning him wanting to bless you and increase you and prosper you in your natural life. Now, once again, for the sake of it causing us to stumble when we think about the natural substance of life and just God abundantly providing for us, Jesus was the ultimate sacrifice. He didn't withhold or give us a second best he gave us the best, and God himself came in the flesh. So everything that God desires is for you to have an abundant, blessed life. So, excuse me, in doing that, we said that God wants us to live excessively. 
But then, if you remember, we shared this just a matter of a couple of weeks ago. Uh, we did it in our series called uh, Feeling Emotions, and we dealt with the issue of worry. Now, really where that message came from, really came from this teaching that I'm doing right now. Because in regards to worry, if you remember in Matthew chapter 6, Jesus said this. He says, don't worry about what you're going to eat. Don't worry about what you're going to wear or where you're going to sleep. So the natural things or the things that he's addressing are the natural things of life. Every single one, one of us have opportunity to be concerned about those very things, right? My, my mother-in-law, uh, she just called us yesterday. And you know how mothers or, or parents try to protect you uh, from being concerned or worried about their life. Well, you know, she's got some physical things going on. And so my wife, she, she talked with her mom uh, last night. Well, then as we began to talk to her, we find out that she's just really not in a very good state just where she's at. Well, why did she try to protect you or why did we not know about that? Because mom wants you to know that or wants you to think anyways that everything is cool, right? Everything is good. But God wants to take care of you, whether you're young or whether you're old. It doesn't come to a place in your life where you say, well, <laughs> I guess I peaked and therefore it's just up to me and just come Jesus quickly, right? No, God wants to take care of you at every stage of your life. He says, why do you worry about what you eat, what you wear, what you sleep? How many of you know that as you get older, you're on a pension or you're not working anymore, you have the opportunity to start letting thoughts come in and concern come in as to, well, what am I going to eat? What am I going to wear? He said, don't take the worry of that, right? And then he goes on to say this again uh, in verse, uh, what is it, verse uh, 31 he says, therefore, I say to you again, he says, don't worry or take no thought saying. The actual translation of that is take no thought saying or take no anxious thought saying. So how do we know if we've taken an anxious thought? You'll have thoughts that come, thoughts that go. And it doesn't matter whether you're a preacher or whether you're a Christian or whether you're an unsaved person. Thoughts come and go and thoughts of worry come and go. And God isn't the author of confusing or worrisome thoughts, right? So we know that they come from one particular place. It's from the enemy to get you in a position of concern. So how do you know if you've come over into that place of grabbing hold of that thought to where that concern has begun to consume you? Just check up on what you're saying. He says, take no thought saying, what shall we eat? What shall we wear? What shall we, where shall we live? If you want to know whether or not you've allowed worry to really get down in your heart, check up on what you've been saying. Now, this goes across many different boundaries concerning your physical health. The Bible says that Jesus paid the price for you to be, be healthy and whole. Do we have symptoms that come into our body? Does the enemy attack your body and my body as believers? Absolutely. Does it produce the opportunity to be concerned? Absolutely. But does the concern have to consume us? It doesn't. How do I know whether it has or not? Check up on what you've been saying, right? Oh, woe's me. Oh, dear God. I'm afraid. I'm concerned. And again, it's natural. It's part of our human nature. But God says, I've made a promise for you. I've given you my word. Take no thought saying, what shall we eat? What shall we wear? Where shall we live? How shall I make it with this sickness in my body? Take no thought saying. And then he goes on to say this. 
In Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, just a couple verses later, he says this, Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things that you have the opportunity to be concerned with, the natural things of life, what you eat, what you wear, where you live, all those things will be added unto you. So he says this, seek first the kingdom. Now it's very significant those two words that he used. Seek first the kingdom and his righteousness. And all those things, naturally speaking, will be added when you seek first the kingdom and you seek his righteousness. Concerning the kingdom, the Bible says this over in Matthew chapter 4, verse 26. It says that the kingdom of God is like this. It's, it's, the kingdom is built upon the principle of sowing and reaping. What does that mean? You give or you plant and you receive. You give, you plant, you sow, and you receive. He says the kingdom of God is built upon this principle. So how did God create creation? He gave, and it produced a family. When the family went corrupt, what did he do? He gave again, and as a result of giving, he, saw, or he reaped a family, right? The kingdom of God is built upon this principle of sowing and reaping. Then he says, seek God's righteousness. Well, concerning your righteousness, do we as believers have to seek to be righteous? No, the Bible says this, that if you're in Christ, it says you are the righteousness of God through Christ Jesus. So as believers, you'll never be more righteous or in right standing with God than the day that you receive Jesus Christ. You become more spiritually mature. You grow up. But concerning your righteousness, the moment you receive Christ, you became righteous. So when he says seek righteousness... He's not talking about your righteousness because you are. The literal translation or in the Greek means rightness with God or God's system of doing things. So that begins to tell us something. Seek God's kingdom. It operates on a principle of sowing and reaping. Seek God's righteousness, which is God's system. So in other words, there's a way in which God operates. And he says, if you'll do this, you'll find that everything is added unto you. He didn't say you have to buy it. He didn't say you had to work for it. It says that God would see to it that it's added to you those things that you worry about. Those things that you have opportunity to be concerned with. Those things that you have the ability to think anxious thought about. He says, if you'll do this, seek the kingdom, seek the system, all will be added of anything that you would desire from him. So that tells me if there's a system. He says this. Take no anxious thought. Then that tells me. That my anxious thought. Or my worrying. Can begin to stop. Or hinder. Or disconnect. The system by which God uses. To bless me. Increase me. Or help me. Right? For instance, we had a special guest this, this, this today in our city. Anybody know who our special guest was? Is it President Obama. Well, praise the Lord. He came, right? Well, it's obviously concerning this whole water issue. It's awesome that he was able to come and 
show up. That's just kind of a cool thing that Flint was able to have the president come. But what happened? This whole thing that's going on was because somebody avoided or didn't do what was necessary concerning the principle, the system by which our water system should function. Somebody dropped the ball. Somebody was ignorant. Somebody was stupid. Somebody was just deceitful. Whatever the system or whatever happened, something broke down and the system of our water system is no longer viable or healthy. The same thing is applicable when it comes to God's hand of the flow getting to us. He says, you can be ignorant, you can be stupid. But if you choose to be ignorant and stupid, it's still going to take the or have the opportunity of cutting off the blessing or the way God does things. So figure out what God said. What's the system? So as we're talking about God increasing us from a natural standpoint or financially, if you will. Because once again, God never said it was up to you to make a living for yourself. God said, I choose to be your God. I want to bless you. I want to increase you. I want to take care of you. Now, he says, you have a part to play. You be diligent. You be a good worker, a hard worker. You be a faithful steward. You do your natural side. But I'll come and partner with you and cause you to supersede what you can do and help you live excessively. Amen. I'm telling you, if you knew how I live, and if you knew how much I make, I live excessive concerning just monetary. God blesses me and takes care of me in so many ways. But you begin to expect it. Not to be, oh, what's the word that I'm looking for? Not that you're being... uh, Taking God for granted, saying, well, I just expect you to do it, God, because, you know, I'm just a spoiled kid. I'm talking about coming into a position where, God, you are my God. And I know that you said you would do it. Therefore, I've come to expect you to be the God that you are. That's not being a spoiled brat kid. That's a, a, a child of faith that comes to God. And that's what he begins to hang on every word. Saying, what, what, yeah, what, you want to believe me for that? Oh, you want your church to do this? Oh, you think that I can come in and just, that I'm big enough to turn the whole Flint situation around? You think I'm that kind of a God? Well, let me just show you then. That's the God that we serve. But how many times do we, I mean, even that whole Flint thing. How many churches do you see on the TV that make it race issues? How many churches do you see on there that make it about the politics and getting out of this person out of office? What about God being the God that said he would be who he was? And let's rally together as the church and say, our God is faithful, our God is bigger, and God is able to turn this thing around because it's not a water problem, it's not a political problem, it's not a GM problem, it's a God problem, and we need to get God back into the problem and see this place begin to increase and grow. And if we, the believers, start to take our place and say, God, I want to be that person. I want you to use me that way. God begins to intervene and shows up. Amen? Amen. So God said that there is a system. If you have your Bibles, turn to Malachi chapter 3. Malachi chapter 3. The last book of your Old Testament. Malachi chapter 3. 
And I want to begin in verse 6. He says this in verse 6. He says, For I am the Lord, I do not change. Let's stop there for a minute. I am the Lord, I do not change. That particular verse was that verse, Old Testament Scripture, and is, well, we know it's Old Testament Scripture, but in the sense of, is it Old Testament Scripture that is not applicable for us today? Is God different than what He was back then? Does God change? Is God still who He says He is? Does He still do what He says He does? So again, this verse right here, whether it's in the Old Testament or in the New Testament, it's still applicable today. He says, I am the Lord, I do not change. So now what we begin to read from this point on, it's still attached to, I do not change. He says this in verse 7, he says, You from the day of your father, you have gone away from my father's ordinances, or the way of doing things, and have not kept them. He says, Return to me, and I'll return to you, says the Lord of hosts. But you said, In what way shall we return? Will a man rob God? Yet you have robbed me. But you say, In what way have we robbed you? God responds and says, In tithes, or tithes and offerings. You are cursed with a curse, for you have robbed me, even this whole nation. So let's stop. He says, I don't change. I want to increase you. I want to bless you. I want to be a God to you. I want to be a covenant God. To Now listen, this is not just financial. This is something that can also hinder your physical body. It can hinder things going on in your family. He says, I am the Lord your God, I change not. He says, some things have gone wrong here. You have failed to be obedient to the ordinance. And in fact, you've robbed me. And he said, in the way that you've robbed me is in tithes and offerings. So there was an ordinance of being a tither and a giver. And he says... As a result of you not being a tither and a giver, he says, you're cursed. Now, here's the thing. God is not coming down there and saying, Chuck, I'm cursing you. That's not what God's doing. God's never been in the business of cursing. He is a God that is a blesser. But what he is doing, he's saying, listen, guys, I love you so much. And I desire that you increase and that you, you are prospering and are blessed in your life. He says, listen. He said, I'm telling you, you have allowed a curse to creep into your life. And it's affecting you. And that's why I'm coming and telling you, hey, listen. This is why that curse is functioning in your life. is because you've stepped away from the ordinance of being a tither. Of being a giver. And I don't want that for you. Come on, have you ever been that way as a parent? With my, with my children, there's things that you so desire for them to experience. There's been different times where, you know, you're excited about different things, but then they do something. And you're sad in your heart because you have to be the one that says, you know, guys, I was so looking forward, but because you just was stinkers, we're not going to be able to do that. And they're like, oh, really? And your heart aches for your kids because of their behavior. But as the parent, you had to say, you know what? We just can't do that. Again, I know that's a poor illustration, but I'm saying 
God's saying, I care about you. And that's why I'm bringing this to your attention. In verse 10, it goes on to say, he says, bring all the tithe into the storehouses that there may be food in my house and try me now in this, says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open up you windows of heaven and pour out you a blessing that there will not be room enough to receive it. Now, once again, let's stop there. He says, now change. I'm telling you, this has opened up the door for the enemy. The curse is functioning in your life. He says, now just change it. Bring all the tithe into the storehouse. And notice what he says. Test me. Prove me. Prove me in this. If I will not open up the windows of heaven and pour a blessing that you don't have room enough to receive. Doesn't that go back to what Jesus said I came to give that you would have a life of excessiveness? Remember in Psalm 23, I am the good shepherd. I am the shepherd. He says, I I shall not want my cup runneth over. We said, well, doesn't God know when our cup's full? Well, God's full is more than enough. He says, when you are a tither, I'll open up the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing you don't have room for. It's too much. But it's simply by saying, God, I'm going to trust you in this particular area. Then it goes on to say this. Verse 11. And I will rebuke the devourer for your sake so that you'll not be destroyed or that you will not destroy the fruit or so that he will not destroy the fruit of your ground. Nor their vines shall fail, fail to bear says the Lord of hosts. Verse 12. Well, hold up right there. That's before we move on. I said that concerning this act of obedience, God's desire is that we are blessed and increased in every area of our lives. In Matthew 6, he says, the kingdom functions upon a principle. He says, seek the system Rightness with God, and all will be added. He says, how many of you know all means all? All will be added. So you fill in the blank. Physical health, financial blessing, a new job, marriage, a spouse, children. You put it in there, all is all. All will be added unto you. So therefore, with that being said, excuse me. He said, when you're a tither, when you're a giver, I, God, step in and I rebuke the devourer for your sake. You know, I've had some some people in the past at different times struggle concerning this area of tithing. I remember one particular individual, he said to me, he said, Hey, he said, I'm going to try this thing for six weeks. Well, now God says, test me, prove me, try me in this. But it's not the same thing of just saying, well, I'm going to try it for a window and, and see if God is really God. God's God whether you see it or not. But one of the things that you just might not be privy to are the things that you don't see. You're looking for all the stuff that shows up. But what about the stuff that you don't see? He rebukes the devourer for your sake. Maybe the enemy had plotted to take you out at the intersection tomorrow. But because you're a tither and a giver, God rebukes the devourer and says, Oh, no, 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 can't do that there. Or there's that child molester or that person that was that was just sitting outside the school and had saw your child the day before and says, I'm going to snag that one up tomorrow. 
But because you're a faithful tither and giver, God steps in and says, oh, no, no. I'm going to rebuke the devourer for your sake because you're a tither. You say, well, I, I don't ever see the things, of, the things that God's doing. Maybe you don't want to see those things. Maybe you don't want them to ever come to fruition. But because you are faithful, God is working on your behalf to rebuke the devourer. There is a minister that's just, just uh, up in the Midland area. I believe if I can remember the story, the father, the, the actual pastor had a pool and the son of the pastor with his son came over and the, the son was just a little boy, I guess. And so they came out and found the little boy in the bottom of the pool. They jumped into the pool and they grabbed the little boy, put him on the sidewalk and I don't know who was trying to revive him or whatever. But the son of the pastor, the father of the little boy, shouted out and said, God, I'm a tither. He can't die. And you say, well, that's the silliest thing in the world. It's the promise of God that you can put your faith on. You'll rebuke the devourer. So he's got to live, God. I'm a tither. I'm a tither. I'm a tither. And you said that you would rebuke the devourer for my sake, that you would open up the windows of heaven and I won't have room. So right now, I need more than enough healing and life right now to bring my child back to life. Rebuke death off of him in Jesus' name because I'm a tither. Come on. We short change ourselves and bind God's hand so much because we just think that God is just a God up there concerned about whether we get to heaven or not. He said, I've come that you might have life and life more abundantly here on this earth in excess. And this aspect of him saying, can I trust you in the area of money? Just to say, well, will you give me your tithe? I say, give me your tithe. It's really not your tithe. It's God's tithe. It don't even belong to you. That's why if you keep it, that's why you're a God robber. Because it's his. Amen. I'll finish with this thought right here. Concerning the tithe, many times we've had people, not we, but just in a general sense, people will argue this point of whether tithe is Old Testament or New Testament. Well, it was established in the Old Testament, but it's carried out throughout the New Testament. You see it in the New Testament. People will say, well, tithe is under the law and we're redeemed from the curse of the law. No. The tithe was established several hundred years before the law was ever established. It was established with Abraham. And then the Bible says that we, being Gentiles, are redeemed from the curse and become heirs of the promises of Abraham. So everything that God said was uh, belonged to Abraham and he was a tither, they belong to us. Here's the difference. The Bible says that we have a better promise and better covenant. So we get everything that Abraham said, or God said belonged to Abraham. Wealth, provision, deliverance, health, and healing. But he said it's even better on this side with Jesus. Part of it is because we've got the fullness of it. They didn't. We've got it. When it comes to the tithe, the tithe is fair for everybody. And if you're wondering what the tithe is, it's 10% of your income, of your increase. And it's the first. You say, well, why is it fair? 
Because it don't matter whether you're, whether you're poor or rich. 10% is 10%. But if you remember in Matthew's gospel, he said this. When he said, don't worry about tomorrow. At one point in time, he said this. Oh, you have little faith. Why is it little faith? It only takes little faith to get God to move mightily in your life. How little? Ten cents of every dollar. That's little. A dime. Forty dollars. Let me say it this way. Four dollars. Four dimes. And you do the math as it grows. It's as it grows is when we start struggling with it, right? But it's just little. And it doesn't take a lot. But he says, if you'll trust me in this, I'll move in your life supernaturally in ways that you can't even begin to imagine. Please hear me. It is not about money. It's about your heart. You're not buying God's blessing. You're not buying God's miracles. You're simply being obedient and giving God an avenue by which he can move. If you find yourself struggling in some areas and saying, God, how come I'm not seeing the results? Just step back and say, okay, am I walking according to the oracles or the ordinances of God? Am I being faithful? Am I just using the faith that it's on the inside of me? Am I trusting him? Am I taking thought? Am I being consciously worried about this or that? Or am I saying, God, you're bigger. You're faithful. And God, even when it comes to my finances, I'm not going to fret about that because you're faithful with that. Amen. God says, if you'll seek my kingdom, if you'll seek my system, I'll move in your life. Amen. Let's stand. I'll just make this last statement. I never want what we're talking about, again, to seem about money. Or make it to seem like it's mechanical. Because it's not mechanical. It's not like, well, if I'll do this and just do it just so because it's a formula, God will do that. What he's asking is, will you operate in faith? Will you trust me? Will you believe me and hold me to my word? That's what begins to move the hand of God. Your obedience is just an act of faith. Amen? Let's pray. I know I had you stand, and we're going to take up an offering real quick. You can sit down once I pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for this opportunity to come tonight. I pray that, God, your heart, your word, and your will was understood tonight. That, God, you are so faithful. You are so much greater in every circumstance that we face. And God, our circumstance, our situation, this, the trial, the bump in the road, God, it is not bigger than our God. And so, God, we simply act in accordance to your word. We act in faith. And so, God, we trust you right now with our finances, with our family, with our lives, with our health. In Jesus' name. And as we give tonight, God, we thank you that the, rebu the, the devourer is rebuked for our sake because you are that good. In Jesus' name. And we all said, Amen. Amen. You can be seated and he's going to take up an offering.
Don't forget to subscribe to this podcast and take a look at all of our social media sites, which can be found at our website, gvchurch.tv. We know that today's message has been a blessing to you. Thanks for listening. We are Genesee Valley Church, loving God, loving people, and loving life. Thank you.